We're going to turn to Matthew 7 together. Uh, so as Cody said a minute ago, this is the first Sunday of Lent, and uh, we have uh, joined in with believers from all over the world to uh, set our faces toward Easter. Uh, it says in Scripture that there came a point when Jesus uh, turned his face toward Jerusalem, meaning that it, he knew it was time to begin the journey toward the cross, toward uh, a, not the only reason that he came, but maybe the most significant reason that he came to earth was to, uh, to die for our sins, to redeem his children, and to, uh, to allow the Father to uh, say that the sacrifice is, is pleasing and good to him and to raise him from the dead. And, uh, and so we celebrate all that at Easter, but Lent is a season of the church calendar where we, um, we have this 40-day journey toward that. That we begin uh, to prepare our hearts. It's a season of fasting and prayer, of confession and repentance. It's, it's one where uh, we, we break the rhythms of our normal lives and really uh, just dial in and just tune our hearts with our Savior and uh, get ready for that celebration. But also the, the journey there is one where we grow and mature. And so this is the first Sunday of Lent, which began on Wednesday. And uh, so thanks for being here tonight. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 7 as a little bit of a recap of really kind of a lot of what's been stirring in our congregation since the beginning of the year. So uh, if you're here with us for the first time, so glad that you're here. If you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know any of these songs, like it's fine. We we used to not know them either. And so uh, just keep coming and you'll you'll figure them out too, like us. And so um, glad that you're here. And if you don't know anything about our, our church uh, one of the things that it's important for you to know tonight is that we are coming out of a season where we've been praying uh, and focused and really asking God to, um, to make some things clear about uh, some, some stuff within our, within our church as far as our future. So this is not our own building. That's why we meet in the evening. And so Grace Baptist Church uh, very uh, generously allows us to come in here and just kind of invade this space on Sundays. And we're very grateful for that. And uh, but going forward, uh, for a, a while now, we've just kind of felt like we needed to to really have some guidance from God about uh, a couple of logistical things, uh, one of them being like a meeting space. And so we, we took a month from January the 14th through February the 12th, and we just very spent time very focused and just asking the Lord for the same things over and over and over again uh, to... Give us some guidance about the future to if there's a building out there and he wants to give it to us. We're like, hey, we're on board with that. You know, that'd be great. Um, asking for some perspective on different things and stuff like that. And so now we're on the other side of that prayer journey. And there's been some things that we've learned and um, gathered some feedback from from everyone that's been praying. And uh, it seems that one of the great uh, lessons that we learned through that month of praying about some future stuff, in particular about a, a building uh, was really that that season of prayer had very little to do with a building. Um, and I think, this is just, just me, I think God knew that we would, we would be aggressive about something like that in prayer. You know, that we would really go for that because that's something that we desire. And so I think through that desire, He, uh, he answered our prayers and he, um, we asked for a building and He has said no <laughs> to us. Uh, and so, you know, that's very, that's awesome because that is an answer, you know. Uh, 
Um, it may not be the answer that, that some of us wanted or the way that we wanted, but at this point he said no. Maybe that will change at some point. We don't really know. Um, he's given us some direction on investing here and sinking into like, being here and meeting here. and So we're going to explore some options there. But uh, a few... Um, a few, like I think two Sundays ago, uh, when it was our church birthday night, we went through this this passage at the end of Acts chapter two that described the New Testament church and and really all throughout Acts and all throughout the New Testament, it's very clear that in the very beginnings of like Jesus's church, uh, they were committed to prayer. That that was a, an important thing to them. That they had seen that be important to Jesus. And he had discipled them and taught them to pray. And then his disciples taught other disciples how to pray. And so prayer, because they saw it important to Jesus, their rabbi, uh, they imitated that. And so that was like a, just a very important thing to them. And so coming out of a time of prayer, we have learned a lot about prayer. And in our, in our community groups during the week and on Sundays and things like that, prayer has just been such a, such a, a learning point for us seems like, like God really uh, taught us a lot about praying through praying, uh, which is kind of interesting there. So, um, so what I'd like to do tonight is just sort of um, recap a little bit of those things by going through a passage that we prayed through each week, that we discussed uh, through our community groups. And, and, uh, but really, maybe the biggest lesson that it seems like our congregation learned from that 30 days of prayer uh, is, is the goodness of asking the importance of uh, trusting God and being able to come to Him and ask Him for stuff, which um, maybe we didn't realize that we kind of had issues with that, but it, that's something that has been heard a great deal. So uh, the, the passage in Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to start with verse 7. This is in the, the Sermon on the Mount, and so Jesus is addressing this hillside uh, filled with people, and uh, it's, just, it's just one of the... the greatest gifts in all of Scripture that we have this text in front of us. And uh, there's so much to learn, but we're going to focus on uh, 7 through 11. And uh, like I said, sort of, this is sort of the sermon version of what it seems like God's been teaching us lately. Um, so look at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So, sometimes, when you look at 7 and 8, when, when you have Jesus saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Everyone who asks, receives. In John 14, or maybe 15, I can't I always get those all mixed up, but he says, uh, Ask for anything in my name, and it will be done for you. These kind of, like, sometimes can be thought of as, like, blank checks from the Lord. And sometimes it's taught that way. And sometimes uh, preachers who are not very faithful to the text will come in and like, because that preaches really well, you know, and it gets people, it gets people excited, it gets them giving, it gets them uh, really like into it. 
But that's not really what Jesus is saying. He's not saying just ask for anything you want and he'll give it to you. Um, you just fill in the amount of the check and it'll like come your way. That's not really what he's saying here. But sometimes it, it has that feel to it. Um, but we have to look at the entire, like the whole like stream of thought here. Because he connects the asking and the seeking and the knocking with the character of the Father as the one who answers the door, you know, and as the one who is uh, giving and sharing and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to put those together. But I want to take just a minute and, and kind of unpack that, like asking and seeking and knocking idea that's been circulating so much with us lately. Um, so we're going to spend most of our time in verse 7. Um, so, okay, so look at 7 again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. Um, let's pick each of those apart. Um, I tried to do some, like, you know, some, like, Greek studies of these words, like to ask, seek, and knock. And they, they mean to ask and seek and knock, and they were in Greek, too. So uh, it's not one of those times where you're like, whoa, the, the Greek language opens everything up. It's like, no, this is pretty literal. Uh, just do this, you know, kind of thing. And so there's no mystery to it. Um, to ask is just, it's to simply, simply to ask. And so what do we know, what, what do we learn right away from the fact that Jesus is saying, uh, is telling this hillside full of people, and through the scriptures, he's telling us the same thing. He's saying, ask. Uh, well, one thing, he's, one, one point, if you're taking notes, write this down. Asking is good. Asking God is good. He would not encourage us to do something that is, that is bad or sinful or just, you know, kind of like whatever. He's saying that it's good to ask. And if you are one who needs permission, you can consider this Jesus' permission to you. To come before him and in your prayers to the Father to ask for things. In fact, it's more than permission. It's really in, it's instruction. He's not being like, yeah, you know, that's okay. Yeah, if you want to ask, that's fine. He's instructing us to ask. And that's very important. And so I know that in this and through our, our community group discussions and just talking with different people and getting the feedback from the 30 days... Uh, Apparently, asking, there's like some sort of hang-up that a lot of us have with it. Uh, some of the reasons that, um, that I've heard pretty steadily, let me give you some of these. Um, is, the difference, some of the, is the difference between like a need and a want, you know? It's like, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't have a problem really asking God for stuff, uh, stuff that I need, you know, but it's like, it's, but not stuff that I just kind of want, you know? And so sometimes we overthink it so much that we end up just not asking, you know? So take, take us praying for a building. Do we need a building or do we want a building? Well, it depends on who you ask. It depends on when you ask them. You know, there are some weeks you're like, no, man, this building's great. And other weeks you're like, let's just burn that mother to the ground. You know, <laughs> collect their insurance money. Just, it'll be okay. You know, whatever. So on those two extremes, uh, whatever, uh, you find different people at different times. So was it wrong or sinful or incorrect for the pastors of your church to come to you and say, we're going to ask God for a building one day out of the week for the next month. Well, no, because it doesn't matter if it's a need or a want. Jesus doesn't qualify the asking. So keep that in mind. He doesn't qualify it. And if you're an overthinker, and apparently a lot of us are, and I'm included in that, you can just work yourself right out of, right out of asking. So Jesus doesn't qualify it. Should you ask for needs? Yes. Should you ask for wants? Yeah. 
So regardless, if we need a building or want a building, we felt that Jesus was drawing us out of our timidity and saying, just ask me. And the same goes for our lives and your, your life, my life, is that don't overthink it and get to where you're like, well, I don't really know. You know what? He's just saying that to ask. Okay, so don't let the needs versus want thing be a hang up. Um, another thing that people will say is like, well, it kind of feels, it feels selfish. You know, there's so, the world has so many problems and there's so many other things to pray for and all that kind of stuff that it just feels very self-centered. Um, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't say to like only pray for your, yourself. He doesn't say to only ask for things for yourself. But he also uh, doesn't tell you to ignore yourself either. And so it may feel selfish, but again, he doesn't qualify it. So yeah, you don't want to, to, be, uh, to end up on one extreme or the, or the other too much, but it's okay. It doesn't really matter if it feels selfish or whatever. Uh, a lot of what we talked about, at least in my community group, was how our, our upbringing impacts asking. That maybe growing up in your house, asking was not something that was encouraged. Or discouraged. Um, no matter who, ra- who raised you, maybe the authority figures in your life growing up created a pattern of thinking in your life where asking is not okay. Um, and then we end up just kind of projecting that onto God and kind of assuming He's the same way. Um, so once again, like God is, God is not the same as your dad or your mom or your grandparents or aunts or uncles or whoever raised you in your house. He's not the same as your teachers or coaches or authority figures. He's not the same as anything, anyone else that's ever been in, in your life. And so we're trying to help, ask for his help in breaking those ties. So no matter what it was like for you growing up or maybe even still to this day, if asking was weird, God wants that to stop being weird for you and for me. One, one more thing that I heard a lot was that, well, I mean, he already knows, right? Like, he already knows what I need. In fact, the Bible even says that, that the Spirit knows what we need before we even ask it. So why, why bother, you know? It seems like we're just kind of adding a, adding a step or cluttering up the, the prayer lines or whatever you, whatever you want to think of. I don't really understand the mindset, you know, but um, it, it doesn't matter that he already knows what you need. It doesn't matter that he already knows what you're about to ask. He says to ask. And when Jesus instructs us to do something, it's because there's, there is goodness in it for us. He's saying it's good for you to ask, so I want you to ask. Don't overthink it. Don't analyze it. Don't, don't try to impose all these like, theological models into it. He's like, it's just very, very simple. Um, it's okay to ask. Things, things we can ask for, we can ask for help. A lot of times people struggle with that, you know. You're dealing with some sort of sin pattern, some sort of uh, situation. You're just not really sure what to do. And, and so, um, you know, maybe you go to seek counsel from someone and they say, well, okay, so how are you praying about it? And you're like, oh, I'm not really praying. Just ask him for help. It's, you can ask for help. You can ask for insight. You can ask for healing. You can ask for protection. You can ask for money. That's not weird, Okay. You can ask for money, you can ask for guidance, you can ask for wisdom. You can ask for all, all these kinds of things. Jesus doesn't put qualifying like boundaries on it. He just says, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. So over the 30 days, one of the things that we learned um, 
is that it's good to ask. We're instructed to ask. We're encouraged to ask. We have been given permission to ask. So just, just because the 30 days is over with and we're no longer asking for a building um, doesn't mean that we should stop asking for a building. And more importantly than that, though, if God taught you something about asking, maybe I've summed it up somehow or maybe I haven't, whatever. If he drew you out into asking during the 30 days, applying that to your life, the things you're going through, the things you're your family's going through, the things your friends are going through, whatever, applying that is going to be very, very important uh, so that we don't leave it behind. So going forward, asking uh, needs to help uh, just become a more natural part of our prayer lives. Um, Okay, so that's ask. So then we have uh, the next thing in verse 7, seek and you will find. So seeking is different than asking. Seeking involves uh, like some pursuit, it involves some diligence. It involves uh, like a, a, a search. It's being willing to do the work associated with prayer. And so seeking can be everything from creating space in your prayer life and in your regular life to really be there and ask. Um, it also means that you're willing to be obedient to whatever it is that he has to say or whatever he's leading you to do. And most of the time, there will be um, action required on your part in order for seeking to really be seeking. So in community groups, we talked about uh, this story in Second Chronicles where the king of Israel gets word that these three different armies are coming to, to fight them, and it's basically certain death. And so he declares a fast, he gathers, he gathers everyone together, they seek the Lord. He says, we have no idea what we're supposed to do, so we're waiting for you to speak to us. Um, some joker stands up in the middle of the room, and that story always kind of weirds me out. Because if we were here right now, and somebody stood up and started saying, God said that we're supposed to do this, I would be like, who's that dude? Who just said that? What do we know about him? Where's he from? Is there, uh, how, you know, I would question this person, but maybe that's just reflecting my own stuff there. But anyway, this guy stands up in the middle of the, of the crowd, and his word is, um, God's going to save us from the battle, but we have to go to the battlefield. So imagine, again, I'm sitting there in the crowd, and I'm like, okay, so we're at the battlefield is certain death. Three different armies are coming to come and destroy us. This dude says uh, that we won't have to fight the war, but we've got to show up. The last thing I'm going to want to do is go show up, because what if he's wrong, Right? What if he's heard incorrectly from the Lord? What if this guy's not prophetic? What if he's just, what if he's a spy? You know, what is, I just overthink all these kinds of things. And yet, King Jehoshaphat and the people who've been fasting and praying, they were, obviously were synced up somehow. And so they're like, okay, cool, we're going to go. So what do they do? The, they, they get up, they um, put the worship leaders at the front of the army, um, and they begin to like head that way, and they're singing, and they're rejoicing, and they're whatever, and they're walking into what could be certain death, but they believe that this prophet that stood up in the middle of the room and said this stuff had some credibility, probably because they had been fasting and praying. I think there was a unity that must have existed there, that even though I'm kind of, you know, jokingly saying, I don't think I would trust that dude, I think that I would if I was fasting and praying, and, it, and God was in it, so they all go, and they show up, he made them walk to the battlefield. And when they got there, uh, the armies had all killed each other. You know? So what does that have to do with seeking? 
There are times when God is going to require some obedient steps on your part in order to really seek the things that you're asking. So if you're asking for wisdom in how to uh, have a uh, conflict resolution conversation with someone in your life, and you're, you're at, you said, all right, God, you said to ask. I'm asking you, I, I want the words, I want the timing, I want everything. I want to know exactly how this needs to happen. Seeking means that not only that, that you are asking those things, but also that you're willing to set up that time and sit down and have that conversation, that you're going to have to show up to the conversation. And so seeking means that you're willing to obey no matter what, no matter what God calls you to do. It's that open-handedness where you're, really, you're sitting there and you're praying the same thing that Jesus prayed, which is, uh, okay, this is my will, but what my will really is, is is very much secondary to your will being done in this situation. So to take it back to our 30 days, we're praying, we're asking God for a building, but if we're really, if we're really seeking Him and we're praying that open-handedly, we're sitting here and we're saying, God, we would love to have our, our own place. A place where we could meet, a place that out of, the, out of a building where we could make disciples more effectively, we could connect with the community, we could do all these kinds of things. If we're asking him for that, to seek means that we're sitting there with our hands open and we're saying, that's what we want, but if that's not what you have for us, we're on board with whatever you say. So they, they go together. And so in your life and in my life, we have to not only ask him for stuff, but we have to be ready to receive the answer and on the front end to say yes to whatever it is that that involves. And so the, going back to the conflict resolution thing, if, God, if he gives you the words, um, he's going to want you to, like as you're asking and you're saying, God, give me wisdom and give me, give me how I need to ad- address this, seeking him means I'll, I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll meet with this person whenever you want me to meet with them. I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to do whatever. That's really seeking. And sometimes I think we don't seek diligently because we really don't want to know the answer if it's not something we want to hear. And I know I'm very guilty of that. Because if you, if you really aren't open-handed and it's really not a, like, your will be done above my own will... Uh, Situation. If that's not really where you are, then you're probably not very driven to keep asking and asking and asking because he might tell you what you don't want to hear. And so the best way to not hear what you don't want to hear is just to not ask in the first place. And so it's not ask alone, it's ask and seek and really be to where we are letting him form this, this real trust in us that's like whatever, whatever it is you call me to do, I'm ready to do it. So King Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel were fasting and they were praying and they're asking God to tell them what to do and they were ready to do whatever it took, including walk down, those, walk down that hill and march right into battle. So, ask and seek. And so maybe, maybe some of the hang-up in our prayer lives is, is maybe the, the fusing together of those two ideas. Maybe your hang-up isn't asking, maybe your hang-up is seeking to where you really, you're just ready to do whatever he says to do. Now the third, the third thing, knocking. Knock and it will be open to you. Um, well, nobody, nobody walks up to a house and knocks once. 
or maybe you do. Maybe that's your signature move. I don't know. But I don't think that that's a very, very effective thing. And so knocking is like repetition. It's pointing to that persistence in prayer that he wants us to have. So not only are we asking him for whatever we need or want, and we're open-handed as we're asking, saying, your will be done, we're doing this over and over and over and over. We looked at the, the parable of the persistent widow. And Jesus told him this parable so that, because he knew that, that we were going to lose heart in prayer. He uses that, that phrase, to lose heart. All right? so, or maybe to, to give up because you're discouraged. So in the story, you have a widow who goes to a judge and she's asking for justice. And uh, basically she just wears him down. And he's like, fine, you know, here you go. And it's kind of like this, this same passage of Scripture where God's like, look, if, if an evil judge who is not righteous and doesn't respect people or God and doesn't even know this woman, if he will give in, how much more will your Father in heaven hear your persistent prayers and respond to them? Because the judge is unrighteous, God is righteous. The judge has no fear of God. God is God. The judge has no relationship with this woman. God has like a like die-for-your-sins relationship with you, adopted into his family kind of relationship. And so uh, Jesus, in that parable, and by telling us to knock, is in- encouraging that, re- that repetition. He's saying, don't ask once. Keep asking. And keep seeking. And do, do so over and over and over again. Sometimes it's, you know, the answer doesn't come fast enough. Sometimes, uh, you know, there's, there's like some of that timing in there. But you know what? Uh, it, uh, apparently a lot of our, like, hesitation in being persistent is that we feel like we're going to annoy the Lord. <laughs> Why is that? Because you probably didn't grow up in an environment where you were encouraged to ask the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You were probably told when you were young by someone in authority, hey, I heard you the first time. Right? No teacher, no coach, no parent wants to sit there and have someone like Stewie on Family Guy. You're like, mama, 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 over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Nobody wants that. You know who does want that? Your Father in Heaven. He wants that. But we're so conditioned to not want to annoy and bother people. So we ask a little bit, and if we don't hear anything, it's like, whoa, whoa. We're so timid. Maybe not even cognitively. Maybe you're not even aware of it. And as Americans, we're so pragmatic that prayer doesn't seem to be very efficient or work very well. So we ask a few times, and if God doesn't do it, we're like, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself. So we have some wiring that needs to be redone. We have some some uh, narratives that we need to like end and let Jesus build new ones in us. We need to learn to think correctly about prayer. And Jesus is saying, look, you knock and you just keep on knocking until the door opens. My uh, pastor growing up, his name is Dr. Carol Marr, uh, phenomenal. He was so good that it, made, it really made me never want to be a preacher because I didn't think I could ever be as good at anything as him. He was just one of those kind of figures. And 
Um, he, I, I remember a lot of the things that he taught us as a congregation. And one of them, um, along the, these lines, he, he would say, um, he'd say, when you have kids, there's something that, that, that you learn. He said, when they, he said, kids will ask for anything that they see for their next birthday or for Christmas. And, you know, he says, so they see a commercial, they're like, oh, I want that for Christmas. They're like, um, all right, it's May, <laughs> you know, all right, back off, you know. Uh, oh, I want that for Christmas. And then the next day, oh, no, I don't want that for Christmas. And they go to the toy store, and they went, he said, anywhere we go, your kids are always asking for something. It's always different. And he said, as a parent, you learn to respond to that very lovingly, but you don't rush out and buy it the next day, because the next day it's going to be something else. So as a parent, you learn to really focus in on the things that they ask for over and over and over and over again. So, so they, have, they ask for something in May, and they're still asking for it in July, and they're still asking for it in September. Pretty good chance that's really what their hearts want. So maybe that's why Jesus is encouraging us to knock. I know that some were frustrated during the 30 days by the repetition, you know. But maybe, maybe there was some goodness woven in there for us as well. That maybe it was good for us to just to have to ask, because that's what's on the card, you know, for the next day. To keep asking, keep listening, keep asking over and over and over again to train us maybe a little bit in persistence. That maybe, maybe God is like, I want you to ask and I want you to seek, but I want you to keep asking because I want, I want to know what you really want. And I want you to know that you really want it. I want you to track the own patterns in your life. And I don't want you to lose heart. So, side note, if you have been praying for something for a long time and you have given up, maybe, maybe Jesus wants to draw you out of that. Maybe he wants you to say, hey, don't stop praying for healing in that. Don't stop praying for restoration of that relationship. Don't stop praying for that person who doesn't know me as Savior, to come to know me as Savior. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep knocking. So, ask and seek and knock, all that together. What does that have to do with the rest of the passage? Let's cover this real quick. Look at verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks... To the one who knocks, it will be opened. So that verse is saying, um, you're asking and you're seeking and you're knocking will not be ineffective. Now, I know that that is a struggle because you're probably sitting here being like, well, the reason I've lost heart is because I've asked or sought or knocked and nothing has happened. This is saying... Um, you have every reason to not give up and not lose heart. And you should not believe that your prayers have been ineffective or greater than ineffective, that your prayers have been unheard. But I understand how easy it is to feel that way. And I've felt that way and in some ways feel that way now about some things. So it's a matter of like letting the Lord remind us of what is true is that our prayers are not just rising up to nowhere. That our prayers are, are, are being led by, uh, like, biblically, your prayers are being led by the Spirit and empowered there 
And Jesus is there interceding, so they're going through Christ to the Father. So the entire Trinity is involved in our prayer lives, in our asking, in our seeking, in our knocking. And Jesus here is reminding us that even though it's easy to give up, and circumstances sometimes look weird, and there's probably a whole laundry list of reasons why we want to stop doing those things, he's saying, don't quit. Just don't quit. And the reason is that he points us, he points us in, in the direction of like the character of the Father. He's basically saying, do not lose sight of who you're asking, and who you're seeking, and whose door you are knocking on. So he puts it this way. Verse 9. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So much like the persistent widow, he's, he's using this, this kind of, of argument of saying, so if someone who has been impacted by sin will still act with goodness in the situation, how much greater will the one who is holy and perfect act toward you? It all fits together. He's saying, don't forget the character of the one you're asking and seeking and whose door you're knocking on. That he's not there to trick you. That he's not holding out on you. That he's not uh, out of the house for a while. That he's not busy taking care of things in someone else's life or in some other part of the world. That he's not rolling his eyes at you because you've asked so much. That he's, uh, he's not hesitant. He's not withdrawn from you. He's not unavailable in some way. That, that he's not your dad. He's not your mom. He's not your coaches. He's not your teachers. He's not your pastors. He's not your youth ministers. He's not, he's not anything like anyone else that we've ever, ever encountered before. That he's the one that says... You are mine, and I want you to ask. And in your asking, I want you to seek my will, and I want you to just wear me out. Knowing that if you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. And I love that so much. That you're asking him for this good stuff, you know. He's not going to give you something bad. But he doesn't say that if you ask for a fish, he's going to give you a fish. And that might be why so, much, so many of us end up discouraged in prayer. It doesn't say that he'll give you exactly what you ask for. It says that whatever he gives you will be good and not do you harm. So you might ask for a fish, and he may give you a chicken, but he won't give you a snake. So think about it. We ask him for a building, and he says no. He didn't give us a snake, but he didn't give us a fish. He's given us like this third option. He's given us that like open-handed, your will be done option. And in our asking, he didn't say, y'all are so dumb, why are you asking for a building? I think he said, well done, keep, 
well done. You trust me. You trust me enough to know that all these buildings around here are mine. And I can do the craziest thing that you've ever seen with money and buildings and landowners and all this kind of stuff. I can, he knows that it's good because we trusted him enough to say, hey, everything on this earth is yours, so we're going to ask you for this. But we're doing so truly seeking him with this open-handedness to say, and if, if it's not a building, all right, cool, fine. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't give us a building that's about to fall apart. He didn't be like, all right, fine, you want a building here? Here's this, here's this shack over here. Y'all can have that. He didn't give us something that would plunge us into debt. He didn't give us a building that would require, you know, half a million dollars just to get it up to, like, the lowest level of code, you know? Same thing in your life. You might be asking him for something, and even in his no, and even in his silence, and even in his not yet, He's not giving you a snake. He won't. And whatever it is that he gives you in your asking and seeking and knocking, whatever that looks like, it's what's good for you. So for us right now, it is goodness looks like this. Stay where you are. Okay. That's what we wanted, right? We start praying. He takes one option off the table. Doesn't really do like a lot of other things. All directions point back to staying here. So that's what goodness looks like for us. So in your life, you might be asking him for something. And maybe for you, goodness looks like silence right now. And that can be, uh, that can be the most discouraging thing in the world. But maybe he wants to teach you how to think about silence correctly. That maybe silence needs to not be interpreted as him being absent or him not caring, but maybe his silence um, is, the, is your loving father knowing that that's the best thing for you right now is for him to be quiet. Maybe the best thing for you right now is for you to not be healed in something. Maybe the best thing right now is for a relationship to to still be working through reconciliation. Whatever the, whatever the situation is, whatever it is that you're praying about, maybe you're not supposed to have a clear-cut word from him right now. To interpret silence or not yet or a no as this negative thing is the same thing that... that like, and I, I say this as someone who has been there many times, and I, so I understand, and maybe I'll be there at some point in the near future, but I know in this moment I'm not quite there, so don't hold this against me. But when, when a no is interpreted uh, incorrectly, that's how brats think. When they ask for something and, and their parent says no, and then they just have a meltdown, pitch a fit, whatever, and start throwing things or, you know, whatever. I know what it's like to be one of the bratty kids in the family of God. I understand that. When a kid is a brat, it's usually because they're very self-centered and they don't understand that their parent is there to do what is best for them. And so for us, we need to continue to learn to think correctly about who our God is and understand that whatever His response is to you, it is good. So, um, maybe all of this, maybe it's, it's drawing us out to more faithfully and steadily ask and seek and knock. Maybe it's about our perspective on the response that God is giving us at the time. 
Or maybe it's something else. I don't know. Who knows? But I think that you, I think that you know. I think I know the things he's taught me. I think that you know the things he's taught you. I think that, that we all understand in a passage like this kind of where, where things fit. So here's Jesus. Here's the bottom line. He's saying, hey, come to me like a child who trusts, who trusts their, their parent enough to know that whatever the response is, it's going to be good. Look at that last verse again. The last part of verse 11. How much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? That He only sends goodness our way. Not evil, not calamity, not any sort of, of chaos. There's just goodness that's coming your way. And that, I think, changes how we pray. It changes our persistence in knocking. It changes, it pries our hands open as we really are praying and seeking. And it makes asking make so much more sense. When you're like, oh yeah, he's the one who only does good stuff for us. I don't know what the beeping means, but I'm going to take it as a good thing, right? (laughs) So, how does this fit into your life? I don't know. But I do know this, that we as the people of God, the children of God, uh, are called to pray. And to pray persistently and to pray in, in deep faith and to not lose sight of the character of our God. And so um, we're going to sing a little bit just along, along those lines, that that will be our response tonight. Is singing of the character of God and reminding, uh, letting him remind us of exactly who it is that we're asking and seeking and knocking. However that fits into your life, let me just encourage you to be responsible with what he's taught you. And I need to be responsible with what he's taught me. And maybe, maybe our rhythms of prayer and disciplines in prayer, maybe they're changing. Maybe we're growing in that, and I hope that, that that is definitely the case. Let me pray for us. Let's stand together as the band comes back. And Jesus, what a, what a beautiful lesson you teach us in these verses. Um, I'm grateful for the times when you, you give us permission and just the intentionality with which you were teaching because you, you knew that we would struggle with this. You knew that we would lose heart. You knew that we would uh, be timid in approaching you for the things that we want and the things that we need. And I think that you knew so many of us would just overthink it and lose heart and give up. And so, um, God, I'm just asking for your help That you would help us to, uh, to not lose sight of your character and your goodness. That you'd help us to see ourselves as children who, who just, uh, in the most trusting way possible, look to their Father. And ask for what they want, ask for what they need. Because they really know, deep down... That whatever the response is, it's going to be perfect. You know what goodness looks like for us. You know the things that are, um, that are 
that are going to harm us. You know what the snakes are. You know what the fish are. And you know what the third option, what those options are as well. And, um, I pray that you would just help us to truly be open-handed in that and um, that we would learn f- from you in this. That we would know that our Father in Heaven is going to give good things to those who ask. And we are those we are those who ask. We are those who seek. We are those who knock. Help us to apply this stuff to the things we're going through individually and corporately, but for now, for these closing moments, help us, um, maybe just some things would come alive in the lyrics of these songs or in the, the encouragement of those around us singing, the solidarity that exists within the family, that you're not just my father, you're our father. And uh, we're grateful for that. So as we sing, pray that you would uh, just make some things come alive in us.